You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles, if you will, to Luke chapter number 24, Luke chapter 24. And when you find your place there, if you're able, if you could please stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. And as you're standing there, we'll dismiss our pastor's pals to their program and the fellowship hall. They can be dismissed at this time. Luke chapter number 24, and we'll begin reading in verse number 13. Luke 24 and verse number 13, the Bible says, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. Verse 15, And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Verse 16, But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. And let's pray. Our Father, we pray that you take your word tonight and we claim the promises that your word is quick and powerful. And we ask that you would speak to us and show us some things in our lives that need to be strengthened, some things in our lives that need to be fixed. And I pray that you would help us and give us what we need for the week ahead. I pray that as Christians, we would be more faithful. I pray we'd be more in love with you. I pray we'd be more committed to you. I pray that we'd have a a closer walk with you each and every day. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to ask you a question. The verse in verse number 18 has a very unusual word, especially considering who is being spoken to. But these two disciples, we know the name of one was Cleopas. We do not know the name of the other. But it says that they answering said unto him, this was Jesus. They didn't know at the time that it was Jesus. But they asked Jesus this question. Art thou only a stranger? In Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days. I'd like to present this question to you, and I'll lay some groundwork and I'll give you some thoughts that I think will help all of us. I know it's helped me, but I want to ask you this question tonight Has Jesus become a stranger in your life? Now, before you tune me out and before you correct me and say, well, pastor, of course that is not true in my life because I'm at church on Sunday night and I commend you for that. I understand 
we have the cream of the crop here. Uh, and some of the best looking, I understand that. And some of the most intelligent, I understand all that. Um, not talking about me, talking about you. Um, but yet, do you know, and what else was I supposed to say, Brother George, or something else you'd give me on that list? I forgot. I tell you, I do love to watch Brother George sing. I tell you, it's so hard to get him to sing, though. We have to twist his arm. He doesn't, he doesn't enjoy it. He doesn't like it. But before you tune me out, I want you to realize that these were not heathen people that asked the question. These were not wicked people. These were the people that followed Jesus the closest. These were the disciples that spent the most time with Jesus. These were people who had talked with Jesus face to face. These were people that had spent time and witnessed the miracles firsthand. And yet these disciples said, art thou only a stranger? I wonder if it's possible that Jesus has become a stranger in our lives. I want you to notice uh, very quickly with me as we go through a little bit of this passage that they were on their way, the Bible tells us, verse 13, that they were on their way that same day to a village called Emmaus. That city Emmaus was about nine miles away. We do not know the purpose of their business in Emmaus, but Emmaus was known. It was a place where there were warm springs. And during the time of Christ, it was a place where people would go for healing. Uh, it was a place where people would go to, to, to be refreshed and to be revived. Maybe they had been sick or maybe they had been injured. And, and Emmaus was a refreshing healing place. I'll say this, this is not the message, but... Uh, when you get around Jesus, there's a lot of healing that can take place. And when you get around Jesus, there's a lot of refreshing that can take place in your life. History records for us that Emmaus was a place of victory. During the time from Malachi to Matthew, there were 400 silent years. And during those 400 silent years, history records that God's people won some victories. There were, there were the, the Maccabees, and of course, if you've studied any of, of history at all, you know about those Maccabees, and uh, they're not in Scripture, but they're recorded in history, and they won some very amazing victories, and would you like to guess where they won some victories? At this place called Emmaus. I want to tell you, maybe you're here tonight, and you need to get to Emmaus because that's where Jesus is and you need some healing, maybe you're here tonight and you need some victory, can I tell you, Jesus can help you with the victory, and Jesus can help you with the healing that you need in your life. But these disciples, they were on the road to Emmaus, but they had it all wrong. The Bible tells us in this passage that they thought Jesus was a stranger. It says in verse number 18, they said, uh, don't you know the things that are going on? And can I tell you this, uh, Jesus knows what's going on in your life. And Jesus knows what's going on in my life. The Bible says that, verse number 15, that as they commune together and reason that Jesus himself drew near. Uh, what a blessing to know that when we draw nigh to God, guess what? He says he will draw nigh to us. But verse 16 tells us there was a problem. The Bible says that their eyes were holden. 
That word holden means restrained. It means they could see Jesus physically, but their eyes were not open to see him spiritually. They were talking with this man. They were walking with this man, but they could not see, spiritually speaking, they couldn't see and recognize that this was Jesus. The Bible says in verse number 17, and he said, what manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? Now, I got a question for you. Who were they walking with? Jesus, and yet they were still sad. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, you know, I know I'm saved. I know that I've been born again. I know that I've got the Bible and I've got prayer and I know these things, but I'm discouraged. I'm depressed. You say, well, that couldn't happen to me. Are you kidding? It could happen to any one of us. It happened to the disciples. That's why they said in verse 18, art thou a stranger? That word stranger means a foreigner or someone who is just passing through, but someone who is not from that area. Verse 18, they asked Jesus, don't you know what's going on? And of course, Jesus knows and uh, Jesus uh, is aware of the things that you and I are facing. But then it tells us in these verses that they begin to share with Jesus their problem. Would you notice with me in verse number 19, Jesus asked them, he said, what things are you talking about? What are the things that you're concerned about? They said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, okay? Let's talk about Jesus here. And they said he was a prophet, true. He was mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, that's true. Verse 20, it says, the chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. Did that happen? Yes, it did. But then notice verse 21. They said, but we trusted. Past tense. We we trusted. We believed. We had our hopes set. We we had our expectations set that uh, it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. They thought, we said, He was going to be the redeemer. He was going to be the one to save us. And notice this. And beside all this, verse 21, today is the third day since these things were done. Now, there should have been bells ringing when they said that. Third day. Guess what was going to happen on the third day? Jesus was going to rise from the dead. And they're telling Jesus these problems. They don't know it's Jesus yet. And then verse 22, they said, oh, and you're not going to believe this. There were certain women also of our company that they made us astonished because they were at the sepulcher early this morning. And when they found not his body, hang on. Again, these disciples should have been like, oh, that's a good thing. It's the third day. They went to the tomb. They couldn't find his body, but As they're telling the story to Jesus, this is still, oh, we're so sad. We don't know what we're going to do. Oh, everything's so bad. Everything's so terrible. Verse 23, when they found not his body, they came saying that they'd also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. Now, why in the world are these disciples depressed when it's already been told that Jesus was not in the tomb? Jesus was alive. 
Verse 24, and certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and they found it even so as the women had said, but they saw him not. Oh, hang on. They're saying, we even have somebody that backed up this testimony. We know some more people that went and they went to the tomb and they couldn't find Jesus either. But yet here are these disciples who are looking face to face with the Son of God and they don't even know it. You know what happened? Jesus had become a stranger to them. Now, hang on. Now, now, before we throw them under the bus, I want to know that every one of us have been in this condition or will be in this condition or every one of us at, at times, maybe we would say even now we are in this condition because these were disciples. These were people who had worked and labored and served Jesus. But you know what they're doing now? They're worrying. You know what they're doing now? They're fretting. You know what they're doing now? They're depressed. And they were looking in the face of Jesus himself, and yet they didn't even know it. I'd like to give you a few thoughts here this evening very quickly on how to keep from Jesus being a stranger in your life. These disciples had seen Jesus at work and these disciples had talked to him and walked with him and known him, but yet something happened and they no longer even realize that it is Jesus that is talking with them. Number one, how can we keep Jesus from becoming a stranger in our life? As, as basic and as simple as I know how, I want to make this very clear. Number one, you must have a walk with God. Now, some of you are going to think, Pastor, we came back to church tonight for you to tell us that we need to have a walk with God. Duh, we already know that. Well, can I tell you, we know it, but it's easy in life to get busy. It's easy in life to let all the cares and concerns and all the burdens of life uh, crowd Jesus out. Let me say it like this. You can, uh, you can, if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, we can allow a spouse to become a stranger in our lives. When you live under the same roof, when you see each other every day, when you, you're, you're passing, going here, there, and everywhere. Can I tell you, it can happen in personal relationships, but it can happen in our spiritual relationship with Christ. We must have a walk with God. These disciples, although they were walking physically with Jesus, they didn't even know it was him. I don't want you to answer this question out loud. I don't want you to write down the answer somewhere where someone else could see it. But when was the last time that you had a good, sweet time of walking with Jesus? I hope it was today. If it wasn't today, I, I hope it was yesterday. I hope it's been recent. But can I tell you, sometimes we can get up and preach or teach or sing or serve or minister or we can uh, go about our lives and we can do everything, all the good stuff, but we forget and we neglect to have a walk with God, a time spent 
with God. Remember the story of Mary and Martha? Remember that, that Martha, she was cumbered about. She was burdened with so much serving. If you saw Martha at the church, Martha was doing everything. She was working in the nursery. She was working in the kitchen. She was teaching Sunday school. She was doing the junior church. She was running the bus. She was singing the choir. She was doing it all. But guess what? Jesus said to Martha, he said, hey, that's great. That's wonderful. But Mary hath chosen the needful part. And what was Mary doing? She was spending time at the feet of Jesus. She was saying, Jesus, I just want to hear from you. And Jesus, I just want to talk to you. And Jesus, I just want to spend time with you. I believe with all my heart, I believe that when people get out of church and people quit on God, I believe long before they quit on church, I believe they stop having a personal relationship with Jesus. And I want to tell you this, if you don't have a walk with God, I'm thankful you come to church. I hope you keep coming to church. But there's going to come a time where you're not going to make it from Sunday to Sunday. There's going to come a time where you're not going to make it from church service to church service. But you're going to have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe for you, it's early in the morning. Maybe for you, it's at your lunch hour. Maybe it's in the evening before you go to bed. But there's got to be a time where you spend time with God. There has to be a walk with God. These disciples, they were so worried about all the problems. They were so worried about all the things going on that they failed to have a walk and a relationship with Jesus. And he was standing right next to them. If you and I do not have a walk with God, it's not God's fault because He's there. He's waiting. He is desiring for you to come and to talk to Him and to fellowship with Him. And in case, in case you didn't know, He's already given you His Word and you can read it every day and I can read it every day and there's no limit on how much you can read. You can read as much of it as you want. But He's waiting on you and He's waiting on me to have that walk and that fellowship and that time alone with God. Some people call it their Bible time. Some people call it a quiet time. Some people call it their walk with God. Some people call it their devotions. But can I tell you, we can get so busy doing things for the Lord that we fail to stop and spend time with Him. I've used illustrations like this before. But you know what your family needs, what my family needs? Oh, it's, it's fine to do things for your children. It's fine to do things for your spouse. Nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, I think that's a good thing. But you know what your family needs? They need you. And you know what God wants? He wants you. He wants your heart. He wants your time. He wants your focus. He wants your attention. He desires to have that fellowship with you. God created Adam. You want to know why he created Adam? For fellowship. And that's why God has created you and created me. I think these disciples had failed to have a walk with God. Can I tell you, when you have a walk with God, there's healing. Just like we said about Emmaus, there's healing. When you have a walk with God, there's victory. When you have that walk with God, notice verse number 36. Jesus uh, spake and, and stood himself in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. You know what you find when you get alone with God? You find peace. 
Man, the storms are beating all around you and the burdens and the pressures and life is going 100 miles an hour, but you get along with God. And when you get along with God, you discover there's peace when you walk with God. Number one, how to keep God, keep Christ from becoming a stranger in your life. Number one, there must be a walk with God. Secondly, and this again, it's so elementary, uh, you're, you're probably uh, going to leave here and, and think that I'm insulting your intelligence. And I'm not doing that. I'm just telling you uh, what the Bible says. And I'm just telling you what we all need to be reminded of, the basics. Number two, we must have the Word of God. And of course, I think a walk with God is our Bible reading and our prayer. But notice the Word of God, verse number 32 after Jesus had walked with them, verse 31, excuse me, it says their eyes were opened and they knew him. They recognized that this was Jesus and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us uh, as he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the what? The scriptures. Can I tell you there's power in the Word of God? God's Word can speak to you. God's Word can penetrate the hard heart. God's Word can melt the cold heart. God's Word is where there is power. And Jesus opened to them the Scriptures. Notice verse number 44. He appeared to them again and He said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. You know what Jesus said? He said, you read the Old Testament, you read the law, you read the prophets, you read the Psalms, and every bit of the word of God, all of it from cover to cover is all about me. Can I tell you, that's what the Bible's all about. It is all about Jesus. He is the Word, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. You gotta get back to the Word of God. Verse number 45, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. May God help us to have our eyes opened to the Scriptures. It's hard to understand some things. You're a lot smarter than I am with a lot of things, but uh, it comes to computers or it comes to mechanics. There's things I don't understand with all that. But can I tell you, you can, you can tell me and you can try to explain it to me till you're blue in the face and I still may not get it. But can I tell you this? When you study the Scriptures and you search the Scriptures, You've got the best teacher. You've got the Holy Spirit of God that can show you and open your eyes. And that's why David prayed in Psalm 119, verse 18. He said, Lord, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Don't let Jesus become a stranger. Get in the book. And I'm, I'm, I'm all for, you know, reading a chapter a day or reading through the Bible. I'm all, I'm all for those things. But can I tell you, we need more of the Bible than we need the world. We need more of the Bible than we need the television set. 
We need more of the Bible than we need of the internet. We need more of the Bible than we need the blogs. We need the Bible. And you're not going to make it on a verse a day or a sermon a week. And we've got Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school. We've got a daily broadcast. We've got revival meetings. But you've got to get in the Bible for yourself. You've got to study it. If you don't, you'll find there will come a time where Jesus... You'll know a lot about him, but you won't know him personally. He'll become a stranger, and it won't be his fault. It'll be your fault, be my fault. Notice next, how does Jesus become a stranger? I think it's found in verse number 46. And he said thus unto them, uh, thus it was written and thus it behooved or it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in the name, in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are, what's that next word? Witnesses. That's what every one of us are. Can you imagine a trial is held and you are a key witness? And you could save someone from going to prison for the rest of your life because you witnessed it and you saw what happened and your testimony could make the difference. And they call you to court and you refuse to witness and you refuse to speak what you saw and what you know. And someone's life is forever changed. Well, I got news for you. When we do not witness for Christ, there are souls that may never hear. There are souls that may never be reached. There are people that may never be saved. And I understand that if, if we don't witness, I understand that God will use somebody else. I understand that. But I don't want there to be blood on my hands when I stand before the Lord. I want to say, I've done my best to tell people about Jesus. I've done my best to be a witness. Why do you tell somebody about Jesus? Because you love him. Because of what he's done for you. When Jesus becomes a stranger, I promise you this, your witness is going to be muted because it's hard to tell people about somebody that you don't really know. Jesus must be real. He must be a friend. He must be close. And Jesus must not be a stranger. And we must be a witness. And then lastly, I see verses 52 and 53. Keep in mind, these were the same ones who walked uh, that road uh, to Emmaus. These were the same ones that were frustrated. These were the same ones that uh, uh, didn't know what was going on. And, and they, they asked Jesus, they said, what's your problem? Are you just a stranger around here? Some of these same disciples in verse number 52, as Jesus was carried up into heaven, verse 51, it says, verse 52, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with, what are the next two words? Great joy. Boy, that's a big change from where they were not that long ago. They were on the road to Emmaus and they were depressed and discouraged and now they've got great joy. In verse 53, they were continually in the Walmart. No, no, I'm sorry, I always get those words mixed up. They were continually in the grocery store. No, it doesn't say that. They were continually in the temple. That's a good place to be. 
if you want Jesus to be real in your life. They were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. What a transformation that happened. They went from Jesus being a stranger to Jesus being a dear and personal friend. I'll tell you this, Jesus wants to walk with you. He wants to walk with me, but he leaves the choice up to us. You know, that, that passage in James, I quoted it earlier, but the Bible says that if you will draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. God doesn't twist your arm. God doesn't force you. Uh, I did not see anybody come into church tonight um, that was being dragged, well, maybe by some parents, but I didn't see anybody being dragged into church tonight. You know why? Because God leaves the choice up to you. Tomorrow morning, you're not going to uh, see some, uh, some hand coming out of, uh, out of the air and grabbing uh, your, your neck and bringing you over and setting you in front of your Bible and saying, now you better read that Bible now. Oh no, you know why? Because it's your move. It's your choice. It's up to you. But you make the decision to draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.